Hey, what an amazing time of worship. We're so glad that you guys are joining us here again at The Story at Home. And we've been in a series right now talking about the church. And today, one of my good friends, actually one of my oldest friends, I grew up next door to him from the time I was a little kid, Jeremy Hamasu, is going to be sharing with us about how the church and the kingdom of God relate to each other and how the church uh, gets to further and advance the kingdom. And it's going to be super incredible. I'm having him speak today because I'm still kind of on my uh, baby leave. I'm super grateful that the elders uh, have given me a couple weeks off in this time with having the new baby. The new baby's doing well. He's healthy. And uh, thank you again for all your guys' prayer and love and support we've received from you guys in this season. I can't wait to be back with you guys next week, but I'm also excited right now to just chill here in my living room with my family and listen to an amazing teaching by my good Good friend Jeremy Hamasu. So at this time, Jeremy's going to come out and share with us about the church and the kingdom of God. Happy Mother's Day to you. Sincerely, happy Mother's Day. For all the moms who are out there watching, I just pray that you might have a day today filled with joy with your families, with your kiddos, with your husbands, with those you love and who are close to you. And for those moms out there who this might not be a happy Mother's Day for whatever reason, or maybe you're out there and you just long to be a mom, but for whatever reason that hasn't taken place yet, I just pray that you might rest on the promise that God is working together all things for good to those for those who love him. And, you know, I just heard a quote the other day that was said something to the extent of this is the path you would choose if you had all the facts before you as God does. And even though emotions might be low, I just pray that that you might rest in the promise today that God is working together for good. You know, when I think about moms, I can't help but think of a cup that is so full of love that it spills over onto her kiddos in the form of emotion, but also action. Mom will get up, moms will get up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., just to check on those little toes and make sure they're covered and warm. Moms will kiss dirty skinned knees to help that kiddo feel better. Moms will pack countless lunches from grade one all the way through grade 12 just to make sure their kids are well fed and nourished. And moms will do who knows how many loads of laundry just to make sure their kids look presentable from zero years old all the way through college sometimes. And if you're a guy and your mom is still doing your laundry in college, get it together. <laughs> but also be thankful that your mom loves you enough to do those things for you. And moms will spend nights, late nights or mornings praying for their kiddos long after they've moved on from the home. Moms love their kids because moms love their kids. And that's all there is to it. You know, what a good example moms are to us of God's love for us. God loves his kids because God loves his kids. If there were conditions attached to his love, we would have blown it long ago. But God loves us so much so that it can't help but pour over his cup and flow out onto us in the form of action when he would lay down his life for his kids. God loves his kids because he loves his kids. And you know the thing about moms and 
parents altogether is parents love to give good gifts to their kids. You know, Jesus talked about this, saying if, if an earthly father, if it brings him pleasure to give good gifts to his kids, how much more pleasure does it bring your heavenly father to give good gifts to his kids? And you know, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said this, he said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom? Like, a kingdom for me? <laughs> yeah, the kingdom. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't know uh, what he's saying there, but when I look into my backyard, it doesn't look like a kingdom, maybe a jungle, but not a kingdom. <laughs> you know, uh, when I think of a kingdom, I think of uh, Caesar ruled a kingdom, or I think of Alexander expanded his kingdom. But when Jesus talks about a kingdom, he talks about it differently from the way that I think. I think territory. You know, the Pharisees were kind of similar to me in that they were questioning Jesus about his kingdom. And they asked him, oh, you know, when is your kingdom going to come, Jesus? And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You know, Jesus also said this in John chapter 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. When you hear the words, the kingdom coming out of Jesus' mouth, what I want you to think of is the term, already, not yet. Already, not yet? Yeah, already, not yet. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, when you look at the scriptures, you see this format as Jesus talks about the kingdom. Let me point you to a few verses here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus is talking and he's teaching the disciples to pray. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven. Speaking in future tense, asking that the kingdom might come, not yet. But then later on in the same book, he says in Matthew chapter 12, but if it is by the Spirit that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Present tense. Already. Take a look in Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus says, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. But also in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 9 being pre or future tense, and again, Mark 1 being in future tense. Already, not yet. So, so what is he trying to say here? I can uh, remember being in second grade, and that was the first time I was introduced to Martin Luther King Jr. And we had uh, reports to do, and so I did my report on Martin Luther King Jr. And maybe you were in elementary school, or maybe you're much old, much more seasoned, and you actually remember the speech. But Martin Luther King Jr. gave one of the most famous speeches in American history, the I Have a Dream speech. And when Martin Luther King stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and he declared, I have a dream, what he was really talking about when you boil down the speech was racial equality. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions here. 
Was the dream alive in Martin Luther King? You say, absolutely it was alive in Martin Luther King. He, you could, he believed it. He knew it. He wanted it. It was alive in his heart. Now, I want to ask you a second question. Has the dream been fully realized? In other words, is racial equality everywhere and has racism been eradicated? You're saying, no, there are still people in this world who exist to, who are racist people and, 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 and choose to view people a certain way because of the way they look. The dream hasn't fully been realized yet. But let me ask you one more question. Is the dream still carried and alive in millions of people today? And the answer to that is most definitely yes. You see, when Martin Luther King declared he had a dream, that dream was caught by many and many people. Even though Martin Luther King has been gone for many years now, millions of people still run with that dream today. You see, the dream was already, but it's also not yet fully realized. So too with the kingdom. When the Bible speaks of the kingdom of God, it's not speaking of a territorial reign right now. It's speaking of the rule and reign of God. And when Jesus says in John chapter 18 that my, my kingdom is different from the world's, he means it. You see, Jesus chooses to rule and reign in the hearts of men. It's already here, but it's also not yet and that Jesus will reign in a different capacity in the future when he comes and rules and reigns over the earth. It's not yet. It's already, but it's not yet. And so you see that the kingdom, the rule and reign of God was personified in the character and nature and work of Jesus Christ. And that kingdom was multiplied as it spread from him to his disciples, to the 70 people that Jesus sent out to preach the kingdom of God. And again, on the day of Pentecost to 500, and then to the Jews and the Samaritans and to the Gentiles and to all the ends of the world, the kingdom continues on today. It was personified in Christ. It was multiplied much like the mustard seed, starting small, then multiplying and growing large. And it was ratified when Jesus hung on the cross building a bridge between God and sinful man, taking the price for our sin and making the kingdom available to us that it might rule and reign in our hearts. And so we come to the church as the kingdom. You know, a couple weeks ago when Zav asked me to share the topic I, I got to to teach from is the church as the kingdom. And it's important for us to understand what the kingdom is before we can understand what the church as the kingdom means. And the church can only operate as the kingdom to the extent that individual Christians choose to allow the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, to take priority inside our hearts and our minds. And what you will find as the kingdom becomes, becomes a priority in your hearts and your life is a beautiful disaster takes place. Beautiful in that the love that you long for and the peace that you hope for and the acceptance that you sense you need, and the wholeness that, that, that you long for as a person is offered to you. But a disaster in the sense that it will ruin your ability to live life on your own terms. The kingdom of God will challenge you in ways untold, 
It will challenge you in so many facets that I can't sit here and tell you all of them. It will challenge you in the way you view your pride and in the way you view your forgiveness. Remember in Matthew chapter 18, there's a story and Jesus likens it unto the kingdom of God when he says there was a king who was owed debt by a servant and that servant didn't have the ability to pay the debt to the king, so the king forgave that servant. But then the servant had somebody who owed him money. And he was very harsh with that person when they couldn't settle their accounts. And he had that person and their family sold into servanthood and he took everything that family owed. When the king found out, he was upset. And he said, I showed you forgiveness. I forgave your debts. But you did not pay forward that same forgiveness and that same, that same love that I showed you. And so he had that man cast into prison. And in this, we see that the kingdom of God will challenge the way we view our finances. It will challenge us in the way we view our pride and that kingdom of God calls us to be forgiving people. And the kingdom of God calls us to be generous people. And the kingdom of God will challenge you in other ways. It will challenge you in the way you view your sexuality. Ephesians 5, 5 says this, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. It will challenge the way you view your sexuality. It will challenge you to no longer look at sexuality as a simple consumer product to be exchanged with no strings attached. And it will challenge you to view it as a covenant good given inside the realm of marriage where two people can be reminded of the covenant that they made to each other when they said, I will be who I should be whether or not you are who you should be. And it will challenge you in the way that you view your friends and your neighbors. Did you catch it in Ephesians 5.5 5, when it said the covetous has no inheritance in the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God will not give you the green light to go ahead and constantly be wanting everything that those around you have. It will not give you the green light to be jealous of those things that your friends have that you want so badly. It won't allow you to constantly be keeping up with the Joneses. It will challenge you in ways untold. Now, I want to take a second to talk to a couple different groups of people. The first group of people I want to talk to are those of you who are hearing this for the first time. And it's my assumption that you might be sitting here listening to this and thinking like, you know, that sounds okay, but I don't want that. Because I like the way I live my life too much and I don't want to give that up. And I want to stop you and just ask you a question. Do you really? I want to push back. Do you really like the way that you live your life so much that you're not willing to try something different? Because I am watching not a generation, but generations now who say, I would do anything to get rid of the depression that my dumb, foolish life decisions have brought me. 
I see people who are riddled with anxiety who would do anything to get rid of it. And they've put themselves under the microscope because they've been so consumed with themselves, but they've looked so closely at themselves that they see all of their imperfections and they have anxiety because they never measure up to the standards they have for themselves. I see people who long for peace and long for hope and are tired of the path that their life has led them down and they just haven't heard of anything different. Do you really like the way you live your life so much that you're willing to sacrifice peace, love, hope, wholeness? It's different. The kingdom of God is upside down from everything we know in the world. It's radical. But that's what it takes to find the peace, hope, love that you long for. And I don't want to lie to you and say the second that you decide to let the rule and reign of God come into your life, everything changes. To the extent that you have the rule and reign of God operating in your life is the extent that you will find the peace and hope and love of God present in your life. It's a, pro it's a process that takes time. But I also want to talk to a group of people who, um, who know God, Christians, listening. And if you're tuning in on a Sunday to listen to this, then the chances are that you're doing good. And I know you're doing good. But my question to you is this, can you do better? Maybe I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong and it's anecdotal, I know, but when I look at the way that the world views Christians, I get the sense that they don't see a radical upside down kingdom. I get the sense that they see a knockoff kingdom of the kingdom that the world has already built. And as a Christian, it becomes our job to make the invisible kingdom visible to those around you. So I ask you, I know you're doing good, but can you do better? Because to the extent that we show the kingdom of God is the extent that the people in the world who need the kingdom of God will see the kingdom of God and possibly receive the kingdom of God. May we be an example to those around us in our realm, in our sphere of influence of what the kingdom looks like. And may it be increasingly be seen as radical and upside down and different to the point that even people who refuse to accept it might say, I'm not about that, but at least I can see that it's different. Because the kingdom of God, Psalm chapter 103, verses 19 says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Daniel 2, verse 44 says this, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. May we Christians, the church, be an example of this kingdom that will stand forever. May we give the world a different example of a way to live our lives, that wholeness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forgiveness, gentleness, might be on full display.